You're listening to the TV Obsessive channel, presented by tvobsessive.com. Hello, welcome back to the TV Obsessive podcast. This is episode six. My name is Ryan Kirksey, writer and contributor to tvobsessive.com. And as always, I'm here with Uncle Baby Cameron Crane, executive <laughs> editor of the site. Uh, Cameron, how are you doing today? Uh, I'm pretty good, Ryan. How are you doing? I'm doing okay. I do have one quick question for you before we get started. I know this right. is not TV related, but are you going to see Barbie or Oppenheimer this weekend? Um, it, it's pretty unlikely. I don't make it out to see a lot of films. I know everyone in the world is talking about it. Yourself? I have tickets for Oppenheimer, not Barbie yet, but I have tickets for Oppenheimer, and I have splurged for the for the IMAX tickets as I was instructed to by Christopher Nolan. So we'll see how it is. Yeah, for I mean, what I've seen in the films, it's a very weird thing that it's become this whole marketing thing somehow of people doing a double bill that doesn't seem to fit at all like they seem to be like so it's a joke that's but it's really taken on a lot of momentum um i'm actually really almost more curious about barbie um but we'll see i don't think i'll yeah. see them eventually I'll, I'll eventually see, see both of them but yeah both of my both of my teens want to see want to see barbie we'll so eventually we'll, we'll get to that but Oppenheimer was first on my list, so we'll we'll see Sunday night. I'll I'll be going, and we'll we'll let you know. Sounds good. What's your sorry? You like Christopher Nolan films? What's your favorite uh, Christopher Nolan film? I, I I do like Christopher Nolan films. Uh, being comic book nerd, I I am beholden to the the Batman movies and the Dark Knight uh, Dark Knight Rises being you know, some of the best that that I've ever I've ever seen. So yeah, that that Heath Ledger performance in that movie is just sort of transcendent for me. So I've always been a big a big fan of those. How about you? Any, any of his favorites you have? Yeah, well, I'm the Dark Knight, the Dark Knight Rises. I, I did not I did not like. Yeah, the third but, film, yeah, the Dark Knight the third, Rises, the yeah. third one, but the um, the second one was quite. And I like Batman Begins quite a lot too. So I was really rather disappointed. I saw that. I saw the Dark Knight Rises in IMAX when it came out. And um, yeah, we was disappointed. But I would probably, if you put me on the spot, I'd probably go all the way back to Memento. Oh yeah, love Memento. Yeah. yeah. Speaking um, of speaking of double features, um, I want to say the Dark Knight and Mamma Mia came out on the same day. If you want to talk about <laughs> two very different movies coming out on the same same weekend. Anyway, we're here to talk about TV. So yes. uh, anything going on this uh, this week that you noticed? Oh uh, well, we're the, we're uh, looking at the news, and we have ongoing strike of uh, WGA and SAG-AFTRA. We're recording this, um, which, by the way, if if anything happens over the weekend, we're recording this a little bit early. We'll put it out early next week. Um, you know, I noticed uh, recently some things with uh, fall lineups. There have been some adjustments. Um, NBC isn't doing any of the Dick Wolf shows. I don't know what all that consists. It's not just Law and Order, but also, um, well, like Chicago Fire and stuff like that. I don't watch these shows. You watch these shows? Yeah, they've got a whole Chicago night, if I remember correctly, and they're not doing, not going to do any of those. Yeah, um, which I don't know. I mean, I guess they have them on the schedule and they're being optimistic or something. And uh, I also saw that CBS is apparently going to take some things that had been exclusive to the streaming service, only on Paramount Plus, and they're going to put them on the linear network. Um, the Yellowstone apparently is going to to air with some edits because there's profanity, <laughs> in, you know, and such in, in in Yellowstone. 
so that's interesting. And I guess they're like throwing on the UK version of Ghosts, which there's an American version that's been on CBS mm-hmm. uh, and, and some stuff like that. So we'll see. I mean, it's just we're, we're already seeing, at least with the major networks, how the fall TV schedule is going to be kind of weird. I mean, like we're not going to see that traditional big fall TV lineup. It's going to be reruns and weird things like this taking a streaming show and putting it on the linear network and game shows in prime time and reality tv dancing with the stars and you know extended uh long versions of survivor and uh, right. the amazing race um, <laughs> i would assume at some point as well the streamers are going to run out of content you know they, they've got weeks and months of, of material planned out but eventually if this strike goes on long enough they're going to run out of material as nothing is nothing is really filming right now right i mean more news about things being um delayed which of course at this point is no surprise you know i mean did you know andor was filming uh because apparently that's delayed now that's right i did see that yes so i i, I love that is halted along with many 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 other things as you said yeah so I mean, it's no surprise, probably, you know, most things are going to be shut down, um, given the fact that uh, the unions are on strike. And so we'll see. I mean, things that are um, entirely cast with equity writers in the UK union will be able to proceed or almost have to proceed. And I was reading about this a little bit, the equity, which I guess that is all that it's called. It's like called Equity UK. Um, those actors would actually be in violation of their contract if they walked out in solidarity and it's all legal mess or, or, or what have you. So I don't know. I mean, I guess that uh, British TV might might plug on. But, <laughs> yeah, um, we can go find uh, go find our content there. There, I guess. Well, speaking of streamers, there was a couple of other things that jumped out to me uh, this week. Number one, this was a story a few months ago. Netflix was going to start cracking down on. Password sharing, you know, they were really going to start trying to get these isolated individual accounts for people that had not had those. So apparently in their earnings call, they they told investors that they have gained 5.6 million subscribers in the last last quarter. And but as you noted, for some reason, that caused the stock price to go down. I'm sure there are other factors as well. well but there's some interesting news actually, there. Yeah, I actually I think the stock price went down because of the thing you were just referring to. <laughs> They're like, we don't have any content. You exactly. know, what I mean? like they give their report and it's kind of like. What do you have coming up? Like, ah. <laughs> you know, so I, 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 I don't know. I'm not a, you know, a Wall Street guy or anything like that. So, but I think it was more that than like, you know, they were giving an overall um, kind of report the other day, yeah. whatever that is. But yeah, I mean, the, the password sharing thing, I don't know what you think about that. It's kind of funny. Like, so yeah, I guess it sort of worked, which yeah, when, when they were doing it, I saw all sorts of people complaining. I think legitimately, you know, um, and particularly in terms of how they did it, it was apparently making it difficult for people to use their Netflix when they were traveling and stuff like this. So a lot of people were complaining about it, but it looks like, I guess, at the end of the day, that move kind of worked out for them. I also read that, I guess they're getting rid of one of their tiers and their pricing plan. You see this, they're going to try to push everyone to either um, the cheaper plan that shows you ads, yep, or um, the the more expensive standard plan, 
where you can have you can have more accounts on or, or more profiles on one account. Yeah, so sort of the heightened Whatever, yeah. individual plan or the the pay less, but you're going to get the you're going to get the ads. Yeah. yeah, I think the one they're getting rid of maybe wasn't that popular anyway. Yeah, I don't know. I think this is the one where, like you didn't get HD or something. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. like, I, I don't think it was uh, was super popular, but uh, it's interesting. And you know that that too. We're talking about residuals. You mentioned something about Mandy Moore, and there've been various people who low residuals. Um, the advertisements on streaming too is kind of an interesting wrinkle to mm-hmm. the, the negotiations. And so far as um, you know, there there are, as I understand it, contractual things related to advertisement in traditional broadcast television and then not with streaming yeah. so um yeah i don't know yeah there, there's a lot there's a lot of issues there i think what what cameron's referencing is maybe Moore spoke to a hollywood reporter and showed them a check for a penny and a check for 81 cents for residuals for for this is a, it's a very popular show but uh but even the the headlining stars got next to nothing in terms of the the streaming platform for those yeah in terms of the residuals right i mean to be clear if people yeah. don't, don't don't understand somehow you know maybe they don't no judgment right but you know like so the like bandy moore would get paid for the filming and then you've got the back end of um actors getting residuals which on the old model you know involved things going into syndication and and all of that kind of thing um, and with uh, streaming, within the age of streaming, apparently their, their residuals are um, really quite small. I don't know if that surprises people or, or yeah. not. But well, speaking of the streamers, um, there was there were some announcements made, at least when there was new content coming out about the things that have been most watched, at least at the end of June, on on the streaming networks. Yeah, what do we well, got? Number one, they they gave us a top five. Um, number one was Black Mirror, and I guess that's to be expected. Very anticipated. Uh, I don't know that it met the expectations in terms of critical review that Netflix was hoping for, but it got a lot of eyeballs on that. And then number two, which we covered, was uh, was The Bear. Those two were the top, by far and away, the top two streaming options at the end of June. And then Netflix had the next two, a show I'd never heard of before called The Surrogacy, and then a show called Manifest, which was an NBC show. I actually watched the first season of that. It was quite interesting about a thought-to-be-lost plane that returns five years later. And mysteriously, people don't understand what happened to them. And then followed in fifth place by Secret Evasion, which, again, I'll have my thoughts on in full next week on the on the site after that ends. Interesting. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not familiar with surrogacy either. Manifest was one of those that got canceled and then picked up, had a big fan base and all of that. So... Not terribly surprising. It's somewhat heartening to see that if, if, if the bear is on that list. You know, yeah, we, we, so you and I talked about we got those emails from the publicity team about you know how much, how many hours of views they got, how much more they got in terms of viewership compared to last um, last year. But one thing I thought that stood out in this article here that looked at the top streamers was over two thirds of the viewers were in that critical age 18 to 49 range and so this is right in the spot of what they were hoping for and uh, you know i guess with all the going on is why we haven't heard about a season three of the bear but i I mean it's a whenever they can whenever they can lock these things in i think it's a done deal at this point yeah yeah i certainly hope so i'm just saying i'm heartened by seeing you know a list of top streaming shows and seeing (laughs) something on there that i think is 
one of the you know best written best directed best acted just like high quality shows that that has been released as opposed to it all being um I don't know. Not that. You don't want five love islands on there for. Uh, well, for, yeah, for... I just I, I, I realized like I don't want to start giving examples where I'm clearly <laughs> looking down my nose at, you know, what, what, what whatever would be an example. It might come across like that, but hopefully yeah. people kind of know what I mean that, you know, if the studios are out there thinking, oh, well, we can just. Uh, you know, use chat GPT to put out, mm-hmm. you know, passable schlock and people will watch it. Like, well, pay attention to the fact that like your job on the list is, is, is something that is really, um, really well-crafted and deeply human. So. Well, in our, in our last episode, you mentioned something we didn't have a chance to get to that you were watching right now, just for transition to some of the things we're, we're watching these days. You mentioned a show um, that I'm interested in, but haven't seen yet. Uh, do you want to talk about foundation for a second? Yeah, we can do that a little bit. So you, you haven't watched it at all? I haven't seen it yet. Um, you're aware of what it is based on the Isaac Asimov um, series of books and so on. Yeah. Um, and I think I think Apple TV's put a lot of money into this. I don't have looked up numbers. It's not really my tendency to like care about the numbers. But I mean, it's clearly like an expensive show. It's well-produced and all of that. Um it's kind of interesting. Certainly, there are book readers who have gripes. I'm not one of them because I haven't read the books. <laughs> but I mean, this is like classic, you know, science fiction. Yeah. Um, and uh, so I can certainly understand that. And they've, they've clearly taken some liberties in terms of the adaptation, which I generally find with. It's interesting. Like maybe my favorite part of the show apparently isn't in the books at all. Huh. Um, which they have this genetic dynasty. So, um. But I mean, it's it's at least it's at least fun. It's at least well produced, and well acted, yeah, and well put together. Um, Lee Pace and Jared Harris are kind of standouts to me in terms of actors. So, you know, if I'm if I'm recommending the show to anyone, but yeah, it, the the second season just started, and and actually the um, the second episode of the second season just came out unfortunately i did read they, they were filming season three and that that got shot down like everything else. yeah but yeah let, let me ask you because you know we've talked briefly in past episodes about silo so with silo and foundation and severance apple tv has got sort of this little market cornered on some with some strong science fiction have you been generally a fan of what they've been what they've been putting out in that genre yeah i mean I suppose I think it's fair to put severance in science fiction. Yeah. That's that's not unfair. I would definitely I, I, I tend to think that's a cut above a lot of this other stuff. I haven't gotten around to watching For All Mankind. Some people really rave about that one. Oh, that's right. I forgot um, about that one. Which is over. And I, and I haven't seen that one. But yeah, you've got Foundation, you've got Silo, you have Invasion. Oh yeah. There's another season coming out of uh in in august i'm I'm kind of on the fence whether to write about it Uh, (laughs) i wrote episode by episode in in season one and it was one of these things where like halfway through the season um uh i started being like really negative so (laughs) and and then the season ends it was like oh but i kind of want to see what happens so i i don't know i'll probably watch it I don't know how many things of these things you've seen. I guess I have the feeling, I think it's really cool that Apple TV is doing all this sci-fi because I'm a fan of sci-fi. 
But at least for me, being a, a fan of science fiction, television, and film has always meant um, like continually being at least a little bit disappointed, but liking it anyway. At least yeah, for me, yeah. there aren't that yeah. many things that really stand out where I'm like, oh, yes, they really did it. Because it feels like in one way or another, they always kind of don't, I don't know, just don't, don't do it as well as they do in in um, in written form. Yeah, no, I, I generally, you and I are the same way. We're both fans of the genre, certainly fans of science fiction. And we've talked about this apple has the money to spend to make sure these things release a certain baseline of of quality and even when it doesn't meet all the expectations it's still it's still good because it's still strong stories within science fiction and and generally the things i've liked you know having completed severance and and silo at least the seasons that exist so far i've i've uh, really enjoyed those and i might have to check out these other ones soon yeah, I mean, I think I think these things are worth watching. I'm not sure if Invasion is worth watching. <laughs> I, mean, I don't mean I don't I, I don't know. Someone someone commented on one of my recaps and, and told me I did not understand Invasion. So I don't know if I should keep writing on it because apparently I'm not appealing to the, <laughs> the fan base that's um, that's out there. But uh, yeah, I, I mean, I guess my problem is I always want the science fiction to really kind of follow the premise. Yeah, and to the interesting places you know and there can definitely be a tendency for it to be like well we've got the science fiction premise we've got the science fiction show but then really it's a love story yeah. or really it's an action story and they're like i want them to follow the premise and maybe that's just me you know kind of um anyhow yeah well, let me take us a little bit more lowbrow, if uh, if you'll allow me to, for a second. Now, uh, you you and I are generally the same age. And I'm going to make a prediction that when you were growing up in the early 90s, if you were like me, on Sunday nights, you sat in front of your TV and you watched American Gladiators. Is this true or not true? Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely saw, you know, <laughs> and they would... Um... You know, they beat each other with the sticks that have... Like, yeah, the joust, the joust, yeah. Yeah, but they had, like, big foam things on the end of them. Yeah. So yeah. I don't know if you've seen this. A friend of mine turned me on to this. So there is a five-part documentary on Netflix now called Muscles and Mayhem, the unauthorized story of American gladiators. And I'm about two and a half episodes in so far. And it is fascinating, fascinating because of... You, as you might expect, you know, you wouldn't have thought this watching it when you were 12 or 13 years old. But as you might expect, there was some pretty shady stuff going on behind the scenes with uh, you know people in the early 90s with these sort of muscle bound ripped folks who um, had no oversight, no guidance, no no medical attention paid to them. Um, so it was, it's a pretty fascinating look at that show. If you're a child of the 90s and enjoyed the American Gladiators, I uh it's funny. It is. Uh, it's depressing in times because it looks at what some of it, some of that show did to people, um, and some of the injuries and some of the things that happened to them. But it's. Uh, I found it quite interesting. It's something that that I grew up with. It was appointment viewing in my house on Sunday nights growing up. Yeah, that's interesting. And so there's exploitation in the background. Oh yeah, something. yeah, yeah. Exploitation. I mean, finding washed out athletes and bodybuilders who were looking for any kind of work, and you know, forcing them to film. Yeah. episodes for no page to see if the show would work and then you know injuries and and steroid use and and then what happens when they all become celebrities overnight it's it's pretty interesting that, that does sound fascinating it also makes me kind of want now like an expose of double dare 
that would be great. That would be a yeah. companion series to this would be a, a double dare documentary. Yeah. Do they, yeah. Do they maybe they do make shows like this and I'm just not paying attention, but <laughs> there was definitely that period where they were doing some weird stuff. <laughs> yeah, the nineties were a weird time, my friend. Yeah, they were they were there time. Anyway, I'm beyond that, I'm uh I'm still following secret evasion i'm catching up as you know on righteous gemstones which we're about to talk about so uh so yeah got a few things on the plate but i'm i'm ready to to go back to the gemstone family if you are all right well let's do it so um to let everyone know on this episode of the podcast we're going to dig in on the righteous gemstones season two um so in what follows spoilers are on the table um through season two i'm season one also right i mean but we'll avoid um getting into season three uh with our plan being to pick up with that next week as season three is coming to a close and we'll talk about season three okay uh so we'll take a couple of seconds here and um I'll pop in a little bit of music what have you and then uh, on the other side we will talk about the righteous gemstone season two Okay, we are back, ready to talk about the Gemstone family, Righteous Gemstones, Season 2. We are, as Cameron mentioned, in the middle of Season 3 right now, but we're going to go specifically now through Season 2. So once again, spoiler alert for anything in Season 1, which we covered in our last episode, or Season 2 of the Righteous Gemstones. So let me just, Cameron, let me just recap this with a little plot summary of, of Season 2, just so we can sort of get our bearing here, and then we'll talk through some of these some of these storylines. Um, celebrity televangelist Eli Gemstones, we know is played by John Goodman, continues to try to keep his emotionally stunted children, Jesse, Judy, and Kelvin, in check. Their big money mega church afloat while the family finds themselves threatened by outsiders from both the past, we'll talk about Memphis and Eli's former wrestling days, and the present. We go down to Texas and meet the Listens who want to open Zion's Landing. Uh, they all wish to destroy their empire. Uncle Baby Billy, runs away from the responsibility of a child, but eventually is convinced to return to make things right for the child he has on the way. So we've left sort of the blackmail and extortion storyline from season one. We saw Jesse and and Gideon reconcile at the end of season one, beginning of episode one of season two. And so now we have uh, the gemstones facing some some interesting history from Eli back when he was a small town, not small town, small time thug, I guess, in Memphis. And also these these uh, popular young preachers down in Texas trying to get uh, some money out of them to start a Christians only beach resort. So there's your there's your season two summary. Um, you, you recently went back and reviewed some of this. So what's your thoughts on season two? Well, I mean, the big thing that stands out, of course, you're given the general kind of plot summary you're reading from there which I think is kind of, you know, purposefully avoiding some spoilers. But the big thing is Jason Schwartzman's character, Daniel, right? <laughs> and, and I mean, one of the things, I mean, I feel like the spoiler warning is, is more important for season two than it was for season one. Yeah. Because season two has a real mystery to it. You know, I mean, I don't know about you, but I was really surprised when in, in episode two of the season, 
this guy dies. They yeah. find him dead and all of this, you know, because I thought they were kind of sending up something where it was going to be like he was putting pressure on the gemstone church. He's threatening to expose past transgressions of their kind. Keeps invoking Amy Lee like she did something bad, you know, and boop, he's dead, you know. Yeah. Um, and uh, but I, I mean, I thought the season was great because it was structured around a couple of mysteries mm-hmm. that they end up having the same solution. But I, as I went through the whole season, I didn't see how that was going to come together. I was I, I thought maybe these are separate things, right? Because you've got what happened to Jason Schwartzman's character, Nathaniel. This great, I love the the tro- like the Brooklyn New Yorker, you know, he's like smoking on the porch yeah. and the guy comes along and you know, <laughs> we don't take kindly to your type. Um, but what happened to him and the slapstick when they find him? I don't know. There's so much great stuff in the season. But then you also have the cycle ninjas, right? They're, they're like uh, trying to kill Eli and, and, and all of this. Um I don't know what what stands out to you here. Yeah, I, I will say I was sort of hooked on the red herring that was the Memphis background and the people from Memphis, then and, and, and was sure that that would be the in some way connected to Daniel Block's death um, there as he's investigating some of these mega church preachers. And you know, clearly, if you've seen it, it turns out that no, that was um, the Texas group, the Listens that were responsible for that, uh, for that murder. But no, I was, I was caught up in the, in the history and how that would be connected to that, to that murder. But you're right. I, I did enjoy the mystery of it. We, we talked in our last episode about how the fact that Gideon was caught up in the extortion blackmail in season one came relatively early. So it was just a matter of how does that get resolved? This was a mystery that lasted literally until the last episode um, and kind of kept you guessing in the, in that way. And I, I was not on the, on the speculation that would have been the folks from Texas all along. Well, I mean, look, if anyone called that it was the listens <laughs> who threw grenades into Daniel's place and caused him to start uh, firing his gun that ricocheted and the yeah. bullet from his own gun killed him. Like if anyone had called that, I mean, I, I wouldn't even really believe it. Yeah, you know, it was like oh, something got leaked to you. you know? <laughs> but I was with you. I mean, in in the whole storyline though, with Junior, um, played wonderfully by Eric Roberts. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I kept thinking, mm-hmm. oh well, did um, did Junior and Eli go kill that reporter? You know, yeah. but then I and then then alternately we're saying like, wait, is is um is junior behind the threat against eli you know but it doesn't quite hold up you know the best he can muster is as i was reading uh, hawk's recap of the episode he refers to the guy he um junior sends to threaten eli at one point uh he refers to him as dollar tree hulk hogan (laughs) (laughs) but but it is like yeah you know and then (laughs) you turn around he's getting attacked by these cycle ninjas it never quite Bit, but I, I I don't know. Um, what, what did you think of the listens and and that reveal that ultimately they were behind all this stuff? Yeah, you, you know, I guess thinking back on it, you, you sort of wonder all along. Okay, why are these people really here? Obviously, we had this storyline that they were following with this group of you know invest with us. We want to try to this is 
Jesse and and Amber that they're are, are trying to become best friends with this young, hot, uh, mega church pastor um, family that listens down in Texas, and so they're trying to get them to invest in this Zion's Landing resort, and they want to do that because they show that they've got some power and that they're in charge, and and they can make some decisions apart from apart from their father, um, and, and so I guess it's just sort of this. It just kind of a B storyline. We'll just follow along the way. But no, it did turn out that it was integrally related to you know what the mystery was all along. Um, so I, I enjoyed that, and not least of which because of the sort of the, the Texas tropes and Texas Texas stereotypes that were there. But yeah, never would I have guessed that that was connected in any way to this sort of expose in general that was being done by this reporter trying to to draw all these megachurch pastors out into the into the light, as it were. Yeah, I mean, I think that was the big missing link. You know, Eli right. was standing in the way of the deal, right? Eli wouldn't let Jesse and Amber go through with it. So, you know, but the way the listens were portrayed, I guess I I also never quite saw them as as being the ones who are going to be behind like radical violence, as it were. I, I don't know. You mentioned the 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 portrayals and Texas stereotypes. You're from Texas. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, there were some interesting ones there. Just number one, we don't all walk around in cowboy gear all the time. I know that that's a common, you know, common trope out there that this is what happens. There are people that do, but that's not what's not what happens here. We, uh, we do, we do all carry guns, present company, company excluded, but we do all have guns. Part is true. We do go to a lot of axe throwing places. We saw them go there with the, with the gemstones at one point in, in the, in the season. They, that's exploded here in, in Texas. Um, but, uh, no, the, the, the thing is probably the least true is they would have used that money to try to start a, a resort here in Texas. Texas people are not, not starting things outside of, uh, their own state. They're, they're loyal. So they would, uh, they'd go down to, Galveston or Corpus Christi or South Padre Island and try to do yeah, the resort there. So. Yeah, yeah, that, that makes because in, in the show it's in Florida, I think, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, you're right. They would have stayed on their their own Gulf Coast, presumably. Exactly, the third coast, best coast. <laughs> you ever go down to the South Padre Island and stuff like that? <laughs> this is where I, this is where I grew up was on that coast. So I got I got uh, have, have to represent it. Yeah, yeah. No, it, it was interesting to see. I mean, I thought the first season of Righteous Gemstones, you know, we eventually learn out learn that they're in South Carolina, I believe. Um, but that's not shoved in your face. It's kind of meant to represent, I think, the South in general. Um, obviously, we talk about some things that they that happens in Atlanta, that they're in South Carolina, this group is in Texas. So yeah, this is a real, I think, piercing look at um what is important and what is uh maybe some of the things that are obsessed over here in, in the South. And a lot of that is true, but I think it's a, it's a pretty interesting and funny representation of, of sort of our, our Southern culture here. Yeah. So let's talk about the, um, let's talk about the wrestling thing a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah. Because um, I thought it was great. We get this sort of background with Eli, as I recall, the season opens with this. Um, and we find out, because <clears throat> we know this from season one, we find out that, as you mentioned, he was, um, as a younger man, uh, in the employ of some, I don't know how to refer to them, basically criminals in Memphis, right? Yeah. But also, more significantly in my mind, he was a wrestler. He was a wrestler, yeah. What do you, what do you think about this line of Eli Gemstone 
because ultimately he moves from the kind of show that is wrestling, you know, mm-hmm. pro wrestling, like WWF, WWE, not that he was at that big of a scale, but a similar yeah. kind of thing where it's choreographed to whatever degree, right, in, in terms of indie wrestling. What do you think of that move of his character from the wrestling scene to the <laughs> TV evangelism scene? Because I felt like they played with something there. That was kind of interesting. I, I think that there was some very intentional placement of both of those things in this story, right? This idea that there, there are parts of it that are entertainment. There are parts of it that are certainly staged and choreographed, Um there are parts where you have to improvise and parts where you have to be be yourself, but been both wrestling at many levels and sort of this highest level of this, um, as you as you talked about last week, prosperity gospel, mega church, famous pastor. You have to be more entertainer than you have to be spiritual leader. And uh, I really sort of I'm glad you brought that up because I really saw the parallels there between all that's choreographed in terms of wrestling and all that you have to choreograph and really push um, in terms of an agenda when you might be in a position like Eli Gemstone or Jesse Gemstone. Well, yeah. And I mean, I think they play with them the question of, um, you know, how genuine his ministry is. Yes. Which, which I mean, I think one of the things I love about the show is that's always an ambiguous question. Mm-hmm. It's never it's at least never pushed to the level of you thinking, oh no, he's just cynically in it for money, you know, or, or, or whatever. It's always at, at most kind of ambiguous. And in some moments, honestly, I, I find myself really believing that he does believe in yeah. what he, what he's doing. Um, I, 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 I agree. And frankly, we, we saw a little bit, a small slice of what his home life was like when he got into this wrestling world and into this uh, sort of criminal world that he was drug into by junior and by junior's dad. Um, and it seemed to be not just a conservative household, but one that was conservative bordering on you know, abusive verbally mm-hmm. and physically and otherwise, you know, certainly something where they were, um, you know, they had their own version of, of, of religion and spirituality in that household, but he was pushed away from it perhaps by his family. And it took someone like Amy Lee, who we understand to be a real, um, just someone who was authentic and genuine and, a true believer in what she thought was right to bring him back to that world. Whereas the family had apparently pushed him away from it. Yeah, no, I think that's right. And then interestingly, the, the ultimate story with all the junior stuff and the backstory doesn't tie into Daniel's death and everything, but, but that we learned that um, it was the fact that Eli refused to launder money for junior's father, yeah. whose name I'm blanking on right now. I apologize. But, um, and that that led to Eli's father, right? Because that was Eli's father, right? Eli's father killing Junior's father. Yes. <laughs> in his dementia, you know. Yeah, not, not, yes. uh, you know. But people, I presume people have watched this, but to remind you. Yeah. Because there's kind of a lot that goes on here. It hasn't been terribly long since season two came out, but there's there's a lot of ins and a lot of outs. Yeah. You know? yeah. Roy, Roy Gemstone, the, the father, was, wanders around the property often at nights and his, you know, his with his shotgun and his underwear and just happens upon Eli's dad one night after a confrontation and just, just uh, ends him right there. Yeah. So what, and then they bury, they, 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 he's underneath the roller coaster that Eli's riding 
you know, so there's some, some really great stuff there, I think, all around. What got me going on that thread was um, how here you have Eli. In, it's in the interlude episode, I, I guess. Um, you have Eli ultimately saying no to this kind of um, uh, taint. On, you know, he's, he's not going to take the dirty money to do what they want to do and what in one way or another they proceed to do, which is expand the yeah. gemstone um, enterprise into the kind of megachurch that, that it becomes. Um, so you have indications like that that show that he does have some kind of integrity, I guess. Yeah, um, yeah. It, it, I, I think that integrity is, is authentic. We talked last time about how much of an influence Amy Lee was on that. She was a moral compass for this family. She was a real, uh, she, she believed authentically in what she was trying to, uh, even as the church grew, what they were trying to do and what she was, what their role as a family was in that. And I think you can see her influence on him, not only when she was there, but as we talked about last time, long after she's gone, that he's still trying to pull himself, even though his family is harder, pull himself into this, you know, this real moral position, even though it's, it's, he has to fight the past to do it. Yeah, absolutely. I'm really tempted to pull in something from season three now, and I'm going to refrain. <laughs> I'm just going to know that. If anyone listening is also watching, yes, I'm thinking about that too. Um, a couple other things we should have. We, we still need to talk about Uncle Baby Billy mm. and um, his son Harmon, who we see in the interlude, he abandons. But then the performance of Harmon as an adult, this is standout to me. It's Macaulay Culkin. Macaulay Culkin, yep. I don't know, this is great. Yeah, it, it, great in terms of it, it was almost robotic and unemotional. And all I want to do is hit you as hard as I can in the face one time and we're done and we're good. Um, m- maybe sort of a portrayal of what it does to a child if you were to just abandon them like, like that. But, you know, whether one side or the other, Macaulay Culkin's character as Harmon as an adult has zero emotion, zero connection, zero seems uh ability to empathize and i i just thought it was an interesting reflection on this is what can happen if you ab- a- a- abandon a child if you leave them in that position and as much as we talked about fathers and sons in the last episode just was a sort of a continuation of that yeah and, and i thought it was great i mean there's a realism to it as it were mm-hmm. but also i don't know just thematically and in terms of what the show is you didn't get a reunion. You didn't get forgiveness from Harmon. And um, you shouldn't. Yeah, You know what I mean? And like, if, if we're playing with those types of themes, because I think the show does constantly play with what I would call Christian themes, like yeah. forgiveness, um, that it's not deserved. Yeah. You know? Um, I'm tempted to, you know, spin out on a conceptual level rant. I'm tempted to say it's about <laughs> forgiveness in general. So that's something that yeah. I learn. Um, but uh regardless that so you know, if Harmon had forgiven him or something, okay. But uh I think the way that they played it shows how in real life the much more likely result would be something like this, you know. Um not some moment of reconciliation with your long lost father who abandoned you in a pet store when you were a kid. Right. But um but fundamentally Harmon doesn't want to talk to him at all. Right. And and why should he, frankly? You know, Harmon has had essentially his whole life without this man there. What 
purpose does it serve? What good does it do to try in a five minute conversation to try to do something to rec- reconcile that much less go to the point where you're talking about, about giving forgiveness. That's just, just reality. I mean, you spent 30 plus years without that man in your life. What, what incentive or motivation do you have to try to, to incorporate them into that right away? Yeah. And then, and then you think, well, maybe it'd be kind of satisfying to punch him in the face. You know? <laughs> yeah. So like they go, now I, I do need to note here, Ryan, and, and I think it's really quick at the end of the season um i think i believe they do show Harmon in the congregation of the church in a shot but some have speculated this might be um hallucination or something i don't know this is a dubious reality yeah no i don't know what really to think about about that because i didn't know what you're what you're saying there but not sure at this point i guess it were left open-ended intentionally how to how to consider that yeah i mean it's it's because I don't know. The thing is, the show does none of the work to really make that happen. And there, there are ways in which it plays that make it seem as though perhaps perhaps it's more Baby Billy imagining Carmen yeah. there than him actually being there. Um, and uh, I don't know. I just just uh, you know felt the need to know that is there. But I don't think we can put a lot of weight on it. Yeah, know? no, I, I, I think you're right. I think what the... the the weight that that rests on baby Billy's shoulders ends up being what it, it eventually forced him to do, which is return to Tiffany to say, okay, I will be, I won't make this mistake again. I will go back and be a father to um, this child. That's not yet. Uh, that, that's not yet born and realize there was an, a massive mistake made. And I at least am not going to make that, not going to make that again right because he's a he's abandoned his pregnant wife now i recall as i was watching the season week to week speculating that he was going after Harmon. Mm-hmm. um but he gets sidetracked selling elixirs or whatever he's afraid <laughs> he finally has some like vision of amy lee and goes you know that's the other thing he has that the vision of amy lee and so on there's some seeds planted of possible you know um billy um visions or, or, or what have you but yeah. yeah that he he returns to tiffany and her toilet baby lionel um, <laughs> yeah i just i i, I mean there's sometimes there's some one-liners in this show there are some just brief shots in this show i just think I, I would have never thought i would see something like this on my on my tv screen and particularly when he pulls his brand new baby out of the blue toilet you know porta potty water Oh my gosh! I, I, I mean, it's like certainly is the uh, the freeze frame of the season. I must say. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I've got another contender. Okay. So we'll get to that in one minute, but let me say first, you know, that there is also that through line, which I think is very nice in the season with uh, Tiffany and Judy, mm. and they kind of bond and so on, and you know, they're going to um, put Tiffany on a bus at one point, and like they can't do that. Yeah. Um, it's also just hilarious to me how they call her Aunt Tiffany, which is which is accurate. But I'm like I think she's younger than them. Or yes, absolutely. You know, I mean the same. No, the other the other contender for me for like screen grab of the season is um, DJ at his baptism <laughs> in his um, in his glorious romper. Oh boy, the 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 BJ romper, yeah, the uh, pink bow tie romper, um, the cummerbund. <laughs> I I just yeah. the, I almost watched that that whole scene, you know, 
through my fingers, right? Because of this, just the cringiness of his family versus the gemstones versus Judy, just, I, I mean, pushing him to where he doesn't want to go, but ends up, you know, he wants to be on the, on the good side of that family. And so we'll just turn his back on these people that clearly still love him and care for him and his own family. Um, but man, B- B- BJ, and there's a thing that's coming in season three as well. I, I mean, my goodness, that, uh, I, I just, that, that character just makes me laugh. One of those characters that makes you laugh when you see him before he even does anything or says anything just makes you laugh. Oh yeah. I mean, I feel like that whole scene where he's wearing the cover bun, I was laughing so hard that <laughs> I had to like pause, you know, and like catch my breath and stuff like just from, just from seeing him kind of like walking down the aisle and then yeah. I'm a big fan of BJ on an, another one that I thought was great with BJ um and his the actor's name is escaping me at the moment but he go watch him coming out of the baptism again his face his mannerisms what he does when he's coming out of that water I mean he looks like I mean, I mean like a a toddler would look when you're trying to drag him out of the bath by one arm or something. I mean, it's it, it just, it's just classic, classic facial acting. And just so, so funny. He does, he does an incredible job. I mean, he's, he's climbing the ranks. One of my favorite characters on the show. Yeah, me too. And it's, it's Tim Baltz. He gets these great little lines too. Like one, yeah. of, the, one of the ones that stands out to me in season two is he was, um he saw Eli riding the roller coaster when he was out rollerblading to stay swole. <laughs> it does have to be take Craig. Oh, it's a, I, I just I can't thank you enough for recommending this this show to me. I, I have I, I was so reluctant, I had no interest in the beginning, and I, I am I'm just falling in love with it. it. It's a really strong show in terms of the humor, and as we mentioned last week, some of the emotion and heart behind it as well. Yeah, I mean, I'm glad to see that you're enjoying it, and. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's been out there for me as something where I, it's way better than I expected it to be before yeah. it came out. I was kind of curious when it came out, which is in 2019, I think, right? Uh, um, yeah, 2019 now. Yep. Yeah. This one that got delayed a bit in its production schedule. So um, unfortunately, that might happen again here. Yeah. Um, but hopefully it does get renewed. Hopefully they keep making more. And we've still got um, a little bit left of season three. Uh, I think one episode this Sunday, which would be the 23rd of July, and then two more to finish season three on July 30th. Yeah, they're finishing with two, which I don't know how I feel about that. But that's yeah, what they're doing. I, I love so. the one-to-one, but um, who, who knows what their their internal scheduling is is doing that for. Yeah, I, I don't know. Um, they're starting winning time the week after that. I know uh, that, maybe that's so. it. They didn't have our block even, completely. I and notice I've I've not referenced this this entire episode whether or not this is an HBO or Max show because I have no idea nor will I be guessing I have no no clue. It's an HBO. It's an HBO show. Okay. <laughs> it's on, it airs on HBO. Got it. I, I mean I think part of why people are confused is because <laughs> are you watching things on the linear cable network? Yeah. You know? uh, and the only reason I keep it clear is because I don't know I was um uh, I had a PR rep. Um, tell me rather sternly when HBO Max launched that it was not HBO. And it, it's changed now. They, they have gotten more kind of fused together in a certain way. But at least at the beginning, it was like mm. they had one set of press reps for HBO and they had another set for HBO Max. Oh, I see. Okay. And and now they've 
they've kind of used the brands a little bit more. And yeah. in some ways, I do think that the, um, in some ways, I think going to just Max might, in the long run, clarify this for people a little bit, but perhaps not because so far it seems like people think HBO stopped existing, which is, yeah. <laughs> I don't think what they wanted. It's not true. <laughs> Yeah, well, what, what do you expect when you remove the most valuable piece of the branding from the from the streamer? I mean, what you get what you ask for. Well, they just I mean, I don't know. I think that they really did some confusing things with the um, with the branding, because when they lost when they launched HBO Max, people at HBO were insistent, like that's not HBO. Right. right. That's um, HBO plus a whole bunch of other stuff to make the streaming service. And if they make HBO Max original shows, those aren't the HBO brand. I got the mm -hmm. feeling that people at HBO were trying to fight for the purity of the HBO brand. I see. Okay. I don't know. You know yeah. I'm speculating a little bit. Yeah. But now when they change HBO Max to simply Max, people think, Oh, does this mean HBO doesn't exist anymore? Right. <laughs> and um, no, it, it, HBO is the um, linear cable network and its production side and so on. But they've they've really been doing all kinds of crazy stuff with that company. So yeah. Um, yep. Well, all I know is I'm um, wherever it's 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 housed or wherever it's streaming. I'm going to keep keep watching this uh, this show. We're going to spend one more week on it, talking about episode three. By the time we Record again, episode or sorry, season three. Season three, will be, yeah. season three will be will be over. Uh, the nine episodes of this third season will be completed, and we'll finish that one up uh, next week. Any more righteous gemstones thoughts before we wrap up today? Um, no, I think that about does it. I wanted to hit you with a zinger or something. <laughs> I, I, I do feel like we haven't talked about Judy enough, so I'm just going to mention that Judy is great. Oh yeah. Oh, there's there's some good Judy stuff in season three. So we'll make a point to Yeah. To, uh, I mean, there's good Judy in. stuff throughout. She gets some of these yeah. great lines, and I think maybe that's part of it is I will say she um, probably has the best lines. I don't know, you know, I don't think we have any any uh reservations here, but some of them are are uh I would hate for my kids to hear me say if they <laughs> were ever listen to this, you know. So we'll uh we'll we'll, we'll reference some of those next week if we can. Maybe we'll each sort of create a, a favorite judy lines and and bring them bring them for the next next episode all right sounds good okay sounds good well man next week we'll talk about season three righteous gemstones all nine episodes will be complete at that point uh cameron thanks so much we uh had a good time talking through this follow us wherever you can on on the socials for the tv um and you can find this podcast wherever you listen to yours. We appreciate likes and, re and reviews and replies. Thanks for for doing everything here. And, and we're just glad to have you guys along for the ride next week. Righteous Gemstones Season 3. Cameron, thanks so much for joining us. And we'll see you next time. All right. Thanks, Ryan. See you next week.